envied, I, I probably would have to, to, chosen a different path. But the implication of what God is saying to us, that whatever he has in store for you and I is so good that we're going to be envied. I don't know about you, but I want to know what that is. <laughs> I'm excited about that. And Jesus, as he continues on talking and he gets into his beatitude zone, he says, blessed are those who are watchful. Blessed are those who are, are attentive when he returns. But here's the beauty of this. He says that if we are ready for those blessings when it comes, that he would gird himself up, have us to sit down. And he will come and, and serve us. I think that's an enviable type of thing. We're talking about the God of the universe, the creator of all things, who says, because you were ready when I returned, because you were ready when I opened the doors of opportunity, because you were ready for the blessings that were coming your way, I am going to say, sit down. I'm going to serve you. You know, this is, it might be a stretch, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong, but it leads me to think about when he says the battle is not ours, but it is the Lord. He is going to take on those situations. He is going to take on those battles. It's no longer ours, and it's all about timing. It is all about us being prepared. It is about us being ready. So I have a question for you. Are you ready? Come on, come on. Are you ready for elevation? Are you ready for restoration? Are you ready for regeneration? Are you ready for revelation? All right, all right. Then look here. I want you to understand. There's no turning back now. 2018 is coming. Be ready. Let's welcome Bishop Abbey Give. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How many of you are ready? Well, as Sister Renee said, we only got a short time. We better get busy, right? It's so good to see all of you today. What a joy it is to worship with you on this uh, New Year's Eve Sunday morning looking into another great year when God has good things in store for us. And um, it's a pleasure to serve as your pastor. Thank you for making 2017 a good year for this church and for lots of people. We love each of you very much and cherish uh, the pleasure and privilege we have to serve as your pastor. I sure enjoyed that word from Pastor Durbin, didn't you? Everyone. Um, they're a big part of making last year great. They're a pleasure to work with. I love them dearly. Thank you for following their leadership and helping make this church work. And uh, be sure you tell them how much you love them before the day is over. Um, you, you may not know this about me, but I, I play a, golf, a little golf. A very little golf. Like, you know, maybe one or two rounds a year. And so... If you're a golfer, you already know that if you play one or two rounds a year, you are terrible. <laughs> it is ugly, real ugly. Um, you have to play every week just to be okay. 
One or two times a year, it's a lot of bad shots, I can tell you that. But you know, I learned a long time ago, playing one or two rounds a year, that you don't want to remember those hooks and slices and dinks and duffs and, and clear misses. You want to remember those really sweet shots. Like, you know, even when I hadn't played in months, I can go out and play 18 holes of golf, and somewhere along the way, I'm going to get at, one, at least one really good drive. I mean, it's going to have that certain little feel to it. It's going to have that little click, and that ball is going to take off, and it's going to go right where I hoped it would go, and it feels so good. And somewhere along the way, I'm going to pull, up, pull out a short iron, and it's going to come together for me, and that little ball is going to go right up and drop down, make a few little hops right where I wanted it to, and it's going to feel so sweet. And somewhere along those 18 holes, I'm going to pull out my putter, and I'm going to make me a really nice, sweet putt that's just going to drop right in there, and I'm going to have that same good feel come right all over me. Then when I get home, my wife's going to say, how'd you do today? At that point, I'm going to have selective memory. Remember that term, <laughs> selective memory. And I'm going to forget about all that ugly stuff that captured, that, that took over the day, but I'm going to remember those good shots. As few as they were, as rare as they happened, that's the ones that I want to remember. It's selective memory. And so when I look back on 2017, I want to make sure that I remember the good shots. Because every golfer knows it's those good shots that keep bringing you back. You know, and you know, I never blame a guy if he cheats on the 18th hole. It never, it's never a problem to me. I mean, if he just downright, you know, improves his lie or kicks his ball out of the rough, I don't really care. If he skips a few shots, I, I don't mind because everybody wants to finish good because they know that if you finish that 18th hole pretty good, you're probably going to be coming back and you're still a golfer. And you know, that's the way life is. You've got to learn how to finish a year good and remember that so that you have the strength to go into the next year. So in the next few moments before we open these altars, I want to encourage you to think about some of the good shots and remember some of the good feelings that you had and make up your mind you're going to leave the bad ones alone and you're going into the year just feeling what you felt at the good shots. Selective memory. Selective memory. You know God has selective memory. Have you noticed how that God says he will never forget. I mean, there's all kind of things that God says He will never forget. Then there's other kind of things He says He will never remember. So it isn't a, a, a recall problem with God. He has selective memory. He decides, I will remember this and I will forget that. As a child of God, I'm learning how to have selective memory. There's some things I want to forget and never remember again, and there's other things I want to forget and never, ever forget them. Selective memory. So as I look back on 2017, in the last month or so, getting ready for a new year, I've been selecting what I want to forget and selecting what I want to remember. I want to remember some of the lessons I learned for having done the wrong thing or for having made a poor choice. 
I want to remember the lesson, but I want to forget the failure. I want to remember what I learned. I want to remember what I grew in and where I, the, 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 the progress I made. But the, the stuff that was painful and hurtful and regretful, that's the stuff that I, don't, I want to forget. You know, you have to train your conscience. Train your conscience. Now, it may sound like I'm going to teach a long time, but I'm going to quit in just a second. You have to train your conscience. Your conscience is a God-given tool, an apparatus that checks us when we are about to do something wrong or just finish doing something wrong. It brings on guilt and shame and a desire to do the right thing. And without a conscience, we'd be no more than animals. But God gave us a conscience. But He also gave us His blood that the Bible says cleanses our conscience. So when you have a cleansed conscience, it doesn't keep hammering you for things you regret, things you shouldn't have done, things you wish you hadn't have done, and things you are ashamed of. Your cleansed conscience cannot keep hammering you. You have to say to your conscience, I dealt with that with the Lord. I reconciled it. I, I, I put it all out there. I repented. God has forgiven me. He's cleansed my conscience. And conscience, I appreciate the work you're doing, but you've crossed the line. It's the bloodline, and you can't do that anymore. So you've got to tell your conscience to get quiet. It's under the blood. You have to forget those things and move forward. You know, associated with forgiveness, forgetting is forgiving. Forgetting is a companion of forgiving. You know, if you don't have forgiveness, excuse me, forgetting attached to forgiveness, you'll never walk in complete forgiveness. I mean, if you just keep on remembering what happened and remembering what was said and rehearsing the event over and over and over again, you're never really going to forgive. So forgiving has to be accompanied by forgetting. I ask you to remember the, the thought of selective memory. If you want to forgive, you've got to learn how to forget. Your brain will keep bringing it back up. Circumstances will remind you of it. And you will keep replaying the video over and over and in your mind until you make a decision. No, that's part of 2017. I plan to forget and not remember again. Selective memory. Sometimes we have to forgive ourselves. You wreck your life if you don't learn how to have self-forgiveness. You destroy your future. You undermine your endeavors in life if you don't forgive yourself. You have to forgive others. No one can walk through life and escape being injured, offended, hurt by other people. And if you hold all those things in and refuse to forget them and forgive those people, You'll carry them around the rest of your lives. We call that baggage. And you have to forgive God. Not that He ever does anything wrong, you understand. But sometimes we're disappointed in God. We're disappointed because He didn't do it like we wanted Him to, when we wanted Him to. And He did went about it another way. And we get a little bit angry at God because it didn't work out like we hoped planned and prayed and you got to let that go too you got to let that go just got to let it go you know God answered some wonderful prayer for me and you this year 
I mean, some great things happened this year. But there's still prayer requests on my list. There's still things I'm waiting for him to do. And I can be upset because he didn't finish the list and get some things done I really want him to do this year. Or I can say, Father, I thank you for what you did do. And I'm just carrying my faith over into 2018. And I'm going to believe you to finish the work you started in 17. I talked to you about my terrible golf game and how that I've learned to remember the good shots. But not just where the ball went. The important thing is the way it felt. You know, my feet were in the right place and firmly planted. My hips rotated great. My backswing was full. I followed through and for God's sakes, I finally kept my head down. You know anything about golf is you can't ever hit the ball right when you lift your head. It never is right. So I had my head down, and that, that club head hit that ball, and it has that beautiful little click, and you can feel it coming up that shaft, and you can feel that ball connect with the head of that club right into your hands. And that feeling just keeps on coming up your arms, and it just lands right in your heart, and it feels so good. Man, there ain't nothing like a good golf shot. Look, I got a golfer over there saying, hey, man. I mean, it, it's that feeling, Doc. It, it, just, it just comes right up the shaft, right up my arms and jumps in my heart. And it just feels so good. Now, I admit it's a rare feeling. I don't have that many good shots. But, but when I have that feeling, it is so wonderful. And you know, you got to be careful when you're a Christian and you go play golf. You, you hit an old bad shot about two or three times in a row, and man, words will start pumping out out of your mouth. You're like, whoa, whoa, put them back up. You'll be repenting before you can get back to the clubhouse because golf does you that way. Remember the feeling when God answered your prayer. Remember the feeling when God came through for you. Remember the feeling when you had a victory, when you had an accomplishment. Remember that feeling. It's that feeling that takes you back to the golf course. It's that feeling that you want to take you into 2018. That feeling is important. That feeling is important. That's what I want to remember. That's what I want to get a hold of. And that's where I want to get the energy that I need to go into the next year capture the feeling and it'll give you the momentum you need to move ahead so it's time to close turn the page close a chapter start something new a fresh beginning God in his infinite wisdom knew that you and I would need a cycle in life a place of fresh start new beginning to start over he knew we would need that in our marriages. He knew he would, we would need that in our walk with Him, our spiritual health. He knew we would need it in our career. He knew we would need it in our physical health as we make new commitments to live more healthy next year and do what's right. He knew we would need a time to erase the board and start fresh. And that's where we are today, erasing the board and starting fresh. It's that time of the year again. It's a gift from our Father. There is a grace during this time of the year to do so stronger than any other time of the year. A time to decide what kind of person I'm going to be in this coming year. 
Am I going to continue as I have been or am I going to make changes that only I can make? What kind of life am I going to live? What will I carry over from 17 and what will I leave behind? What I want to accomplish. Now the world does its best. They're called New Year's resolutions. And if you studied the statistics, they're a joke. It's just a joke. Nobody keeps New Year's resolutions. They don't even make it to the end of January. It's an absolute joke. First of all, whatever I'm going to do, I need God's grace on it. His grace, His power and strength to help me do the right thing. I don't get much done on my own. It's not self-will, determination, bless God. No, it's God's grace, the power and desire to do His will, the force of God in me moving me forward. Practically, I learned that if you can just replace one poor habit with one better habit, your life has just changed. You don't have to, to, to create some gargantuous habit. I'm going to pray two hours every day from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. in the morning. That'll last about two days, maybe. Just find a small habit, just something little, and change that, and then see how that's the strength you gain from that can help you move to another small habit. may not be a bad habit you want to change, just something that's poor, that doesn't have a reward, that doesn't make you the person you want to be and help you live the life you want to live. Just change something small, and the muscle you build changing small things will give you the strength to change your whole life. So you know, if I could leave you with anything today, I'd just say, pick one small, better habit that you want to create. Just one small, better habit. Don't make it big. Don't make it big. Just some small habit. It could be in your marriage. One better habit in your marriage, one small routine, one small ritual you set up in your marriage can make a huge difference and offset a lot of other things that aren't working right. It could be your finances. You could say, you know what, we're going to make one small habit and we believe that small habit is going to make a small difference. But the strength we gain from having made the change, we can use in other areas of our lives. Talk about your personal health. This time of the year, thousands of people will go buy memberships and gyms and health clubs and all that's good. I hope you all do it. It's not a bad idea. But again, so many people do those things and never really follow through. Sometimes we just need small habits that we introduce into our lives, introduce into our patterns and routines, and those small habits put together can make a big difference in our lives, spiritually, physically, relationally, financially. So I'm hoping that maybe you could think of that and say, you know, I just want to make some small changes and create some better habits, just a few. And then from that, I can build. Now, I want to open the altars this morning and give you an opportunity to uh, come forward for personal prayer. Um, 
I talked about turning the page, closing a chapter, starting a new one. There's no better place to do that than this altar. No better time than today to say, you know what, there's some things I want to selectively forget. I want to select which things I want to forget. And I want to select what I want to remember. I want to capture the feel of the good things of last year. And I want those good things to carry me into the next. And this altar is a good place to do that. You know, an altar is an official place where God does business. It's an official place. Not the only place, but it's an official place. Just like you would go before a judge and stand before the judge's bar and the judge would be back there with his robe on and his hammer and all that stuff. And It's an official place. It could be very intimidating if you've been there, and I know you might have. Very intimidating because it's an official place. The altar of God is an official place where God does business. Things are said here that are recorded in heaven. Things are done here that all of hell cannot change. Things happen in an altar that happen no other place on the earth but the altars of God that He has set as a meeting place between He and His people. No better place for you to make a commitment and to launch a new year than standing in the altar of God, maybe with your family, and make some fresh commitments, make some fresh determinations. Renew your faith in God, your love for one another, your determination to do God's will in His life. There's no better place to do that than in the altar of God. This morning, if you'd like to share this time in the altar with us, we give you the freedom to come forward now. If you're a guest, it's, you're welcome to come. This is not about membership or anything. It's just about, do you want to come and approach God, not me, but God, because this is His altar, and have a personal talk with Him. Make some things firm. Make some things right. And get ready, as Pastor Durbin told us, get ready for 2018. Can you say amen? Okay. Stand up and come forward now. As you come, just continue to pray. You can join hands with whoever you you came with today, or maybe you're alone. Either way, you can stand or kneel. But as you come, get started. Just start working. Get, Get the job done right now. I'll pray over you all collectively in a minute, but right now just get started praying for one another, praying for each other, making your prayer. You're standing before the Lord. This is His official place of doing business, and whatever you say, He'll record in heaven. All right? Come on in tight. Come on in tight. Come on in tight. Step a, take a step forward. There you go. Everybody take a step forward so others can come in behind you. Thank you, Father.